Welcome back, everybody, to Two Beers, Please. Hope everybody had a, a wonderful Thanksgiving, certainly an odd one this year. I'm Matthew Smith. I'm back with my boy Yannick and could not be happier about it. We've uh, we've been off for a little bit as, as you know, this time of the year is insane, whether there's a pandemic or not. So it's a, it's a crazy time of the year. This is officially the beginning of season three of our show. I'll be honest, I didn't even realize that we were on season two, but I've, I've never claimed to be the brains of this operation, so uh, that's, that's not what I'm here for. The grand, the grand scheme and planning things, that's, you know, we all have our skills, and, and that one, not, that's, I leave that to you, Jan. Fair, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, I guess when I was thinking of it, I, I, season one was, you know, the, the shaky start, you know, we're getting our feet wet. And then uh, season two, we had the craziness of the sports calendar that was like every day was 80,000 games. Um, and then this is season three. So here we go. <laughs> we're here. Dude, it feels it feels like weird COVID, like pre, when everything was starting up again, like right now, just because like there's the college, I mean, college basketball is on all day normally this time of year, but then we have this early NFL game, Champions League, like it's. It's such a weird year, but I love it. Uh, as we said, you know, college basketball beginning. We've had some marquee matchups and and some other big matchups coming up. Even just today, uh, revealing some of the true contenders. We're gonna take a trip across the pond, review the standings of the major leagues over there in Germany, Italy, Spain, and England. We don't care about you, France league. Sorry, I'm not that sorry. You're you're an extremely boring league. I, I don't know. I don't know what you want me to tell you. It's Get the same team together. Like at least like Juve and Bayern, like in their like runs of of all these titles, like there's still like some like Borussia and, and Leipzig and Milan, like they'll challenge them a little bit. Where like Paris, it's like oh, it's a week ten and they're up twenty points. It's game over. But uh, we're gonna take a look at all those leagues and of course examine. The NFL, take a look at the NFL playoff picture that's starting to take more shape. Please make sure you've liked the Facebook page. Uh, and if you've done so, share it with your friends on Facebook. It really is invaluable to have, you know, listeners use their social media as well to kind of help get the word out for us. We've got the wonderful Instagram page run by Jan, two beers, please, underscore podcast. And I'm over there on the Twitter page, the number two BP underscore podcast. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We already had one of Jan's friends share with us that we were one of his most listened to podcasts this year on Spotify with the little Spotify review thing. So if, you know, we're one of your most listened to podcasts on your Spotify review, please share it because it helps helps get the word out about us and also means a lot to us to, to see that. It, it's always nice to get those, uh, you know, just to know that people are listening and, and still listening means we're doing something okay, you know. Jan, how you doing today? I'm I'm doing well. Yeah, I uh I feel, you know, it's the end of the year, it's the last month of the year of this historically weird and awful and terrible terrible year and uh yeah, I don't know. I feel I feel good in this last month. I mean, I I say that with a lot of privilege cuz according to everybody things about to get real real bad but uh you know i in my personal life you know i i'm ready to say hello to the new year and uh yeah at the end of the day reacting as best as i can is the only job that i got you know otherwise you just let your 
let your heart and soul lead the way and, and be safe. You know, that's all you got to do. For sure. Can control what you can control and do your best not to worry about all the other stuff. I'm, I'm doing well myself, getting over a little illness. Uh, helped a buddy of mine move into his first home yesterday, which was a blast. Um, and, you know, of course, it's always nice to use those mon- monumentous occasions to uh, put up an Instagram. So thank you, Caleb, for letting me piggyback on your big big day to uh, put up an Instagram. It's my most liked Instagram. So it's it's just a special day for me <laughs> over here. Uh, love that. Well, I love using other people's big moments in life to uh, to post an Instagram. It's always, always great. Um, and it was, it's a weird experience for, you know, a New Yorker, like having people moving into houses since, you know, we'll be living in closets for the for foreseeable future, but excited for him. Uh, and it's been about a month now, but we've been away and stuff, but I, I wanted to congratulate a good friend, Teddy Stanton, and now the, the now Mrs. Megan Stanton on their wedding. Wish I could have been there, but wishing the absolute best for them. Great couple. So, uh, congrats to the Stantons. Jan, what are you sipping on today? Yeah, well, uh, <clears throat> since it's our start of season three, I brought something kind of interesting to the table, and I also got a can, so you'll hear me open it here in a sec. Uh, this is a rosé dry cider by Austin East Ciders. So it's got hibiscus in it. I those are good. Yeah, it's got rose in it. It's the company out of Texas. I mean, look at that pink packaging, Matt. It's it's nice and aesthetic. That's a nice can. Right? That's what I'm saying. So let's see here. One, two. Oh, yeah. Such a great sound. Mm. Yeah, that's just good. That's just really good. So, uh, yeah, rosé dry cider. It says, how do you like them apples? Ah, ah, ah. Clever. That's, Thank you. I, that is a great, that's a great uh, line. I, I love Goodwill Hunting. What a great movie. Is Goodwill Hunting, did they come up with that line or is that... Uh, I don't know. I've like I've always wondered that because like I think that's I mean that's like where I know it from, but I'm not. I've I, I that would that's that'll we'll find out for the next episode. That's going to be the research is what the origins of how do you like them apples? I don't know who else like would have said it before. Like it's a kind of specific, but it's also like kind of generic. I don't know. Right. That doesn't make any sense. Mean, it's specific, but it's generic. I don't know what the hell I'm saying, but that's a good question. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure George Washington, you know, was walking around one day and, uh, you know, an apple fell from the tree and he asked his friend, how do you like them apples? And he's like, I mean, I guess they're pretty good. I don't know. And then he's like, great. These are oh, the apples so I on which we build a country. Now, I don't know why I always say like, oh, we should look that up for next episode when I have a, a literal laptop right in front of me with all the information in the world. So how do you like them apples is an expression that supposedly originated during the First World War when the Allies anti-tank grenade was colloquially called a toffee apple because of its bold like appearance on a stick. The phrase was a taunt against the enemy. That's oh man, my God, that's, that's even awesome. <laughs> that's like way more powerful than just the Matt Damon Using the line of getting the number. That's it. You just blow up something. How do you like them apples? There's somebody's grandpa out there that literally went, how do you like them apples? And killed a bunch of people. <laughs> oh, oh my God. <laughs> Fuck yeah. yeah. Get some, dude. Oh, my gosh. And we're, we say it like 
for fantasy football. Like that's how we use it, but they used it for war. They used it for, we're going to kill you. Oh my goodness. That's amazing. That stings a little more than just, you know, I got our number. How do you like them apples? I blew you up. How do you like them apples? That's, uh, (laughs) I like that there's some shit talking in war. That's hilarious. Well, right. uh, in, in the aforementioned moving day, uh, my buddy and, and I, we may have celebrated with one or two adult beverages last night. So I got myself a nice cold glass of H2O. And, and that is all I will be drinking today. I think I'm, I'm ah. such a light, I'm such a lightweight now. I'm telling you, don't, don't get old. Jan, you're still, you're still a little more youthful, but pretty soon right. the, you're going to get the, the pain of, of the, the late twenties hangover. I remember when I was in my tw- like earlier twenties and people my age now would be like, Hangovers are about to get really shitty. I'm telling you, and I'm like, how how bad can it get? And it is. They they weren't lying, unfortunately. Right. Well, the problem is, like, I'm not I'm not I'm not saying I'm there yet, but I'm definitely closer than the average, um, you know, early twenties person because I, you know, I'm short and and for the most part pretty small. So like, I I uh, I don't have a lot guarding me from alcohol so i i'm also i'm gonna be tipsy after this i it's a it's a 12 ounce can i will be i i just that's just who i am though which means i i know my limits though i don't really if i'm i kind of plan the night out i'm like do i have anything in the morning then i'm not drinking too much at all (laughs) like that's unless there's something that is my my irish blood doesn't uh understand how that works you mean we could be reasonable about drinking? No, 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 no. You should definitely have that 20th beer. Right. And the German blood in within me is like, ah, uh, yes, we have a meeting in the morning. We shall drink a little less tonight. And then the next night, we shall do better. Yeah, my, my Irish blood takes over the, the German blood in me, unfortunately. <laughs> Should have been smarter. <laughs> well, Jan, we're going to start. The question The question of the day is not not really quite a question, but of course... Uh, it's been a, a truly tough year for sports icons, Kobe Bryant, Paul Horning, and now another absolute legend has passed away, Diego Armando Maradona, the legendary Argentinian footballer taken far too soon at the age of 60. Uh, when, whenever anyone passes, we, of course, you know, remember all the, the monumentous things they accomplished, and I, I think we always, we always remember them in, in you know, the greatest of light. Uh, but but I feel very confident in saying that there was no sports icon, or really any icon, quite like Diego Maradona. Uh, his skill on the pitch, unquestioned. Personality was out of this world. Uh, and through the good and the bad, he, he absolutely lived life to the fullest. Uh, he was a true individual, someone that was so authentic, authentically themselves and, and lived life 100% for better or for worse. Um, but... Uh, you know, there's so many stories to be told of Maradona. Of course, the hand of God goal, the goal of the century against England. If you haven't seen those goals, go look them both up. Uh, it's the same game on the way to helping Argentina win its second World Cup. But uh, the man was also a champion off the field. And one of my favorite stories about Maradona that has come to light recently in, in his passing is when he met Pope John Paul and the Pope was telling Maradona about how worried he is about the welfare of poor children while Maradona's looking around the Vatican and, you know, noticing all these nice, expensive things everywhere. And Diego was, was not someone to just let hypocrisy slide. So he responded to the Pope, sell your ceiling then, amigo, do something. And, and I just think that's it's, that. such, it's such a great 
it's such a great line of sell your ceiling then amigo but it also just you know i think epitomizes maradona and and the person that he was yeah i mean you said it uh, an absolute legend i mean for me you know second best player of all time you know i i, I, I was just gonna ask you that yeah, second best player of all time. I think Pelé, just with his accolades, kind of gets above him. Not necessarily like he was the more skilled player. I, I think I think in terms of skill, you know, he's all, all time the best on-the-ball footballer that ever lived. You know, like I'm not saying he's the best goal scorer or anything like that. But in terms of skill on the ball, you know, one of the best football players, if not the best football player that ever lived. And the precursor to Lionel Messi. I mean, Lionel Messi doesn't exist if Diego Maradona doesn't happen, you know? Absolutely. So, There's no Messi without Maradona. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, I mean, four-time footballer of the year. He was a club legend with Napoli and Barcelona. Um, Napoli especially, you know, put on all the lights on the night of his death and a lot of monu- uh, kind of memoriam things over there for him. And yeah, I mean, you mentioned it earlier. <clears throat> he brought Argentina to consecutive World Cup finals, which you don't do ever. Like you look at the teams now who win the World Cup and don't even get out of the group stage the next year, even though they have all the same players. Truly. I mean, and he brought them to consecutive World Cup finals, right? And he led Argentina to a 3-2 World Cup win over a really good West Germany team that would win the World Cup the following uh, session. So really, really did well there. And we know him. I mean, it's so funny because we know Maradona for all these things. And yet at the same time, we know him for one game. It's so it's so interesting in his legacy because the quarterfinal match against England, he scores the hand of God goal, the most controversial goal of all time, follows it up with the best World Cup goal of all time. I mean, that's just it, who it, it's insane. It's insane. And, and like the hand of God, I'm sure you've heard of and. You know, he was a handball. Like, that's what it was. But, like, I – but, like, you have if to you watch – If you haven't heard the hand of God, look it up and, and look up the story behind it like, of just, like, how Maradona responded to it's, – it's just a, an incredible – like, the whole story of it is incredible. Right. It, it is. really is. And what does he do after that? He dribbles past eight different players in the England team and, and just slots it through. I mean, just – epitomizes he couldn't score a normal goal he couldn't play a normal game he couldn't live a normal life that was diego armando maradona and so that's why he is a legend that's why he's an icon and you're definitely right i mean gone too soon there's obviously things that we can talk about uh some things that were maybe not the best in his life but at at the end of the day i agree with you you know lived the lived lived himself as true as he can be and you know it's like what pele said right pele didn't mention anything more than saying one day we'll play football in heaven together. And that's like what I had that quote in my notes. I was, I was going to say it. Yeah. It's, I mean, I think Maradona is one of those, those guys where it's, and we even talked about it when we talked about the the Kobe thing, like these heroes and these, these larger than life athletes and, and just, you know, people in the world, you know, celebrity, we forget that they're human. And, and Diego Maradona was, was a human. He had faults. He wasn't perfect. And I think, like I said, kind of with Kobe, I, I think when you take someone wholly as they are, you can learn so much more from them uh, instead of just being like, oh, yeah, he was this great, uh, you know, goal scorer who also liked to do drugs. Like it, life's not that simple. Um, right. And uh, I, I think he really embodies that. I admit, I, I think I probably have a little modern bias. So I, I lean Messi and Ronaldo for the best, too. Um, and it, you know, I 
could certainly be talked down from that. Um, and they're, they're, they're kind of tough to, to like Pele and, and Maradona are tough to compare with Messi and Ronaldo because like Messi yeah. and Ronaldo, like just where the game is at now, like it was like all kind of more like World Cup success back then where now it, I think the club success is, is a little more important. I, I have Maradona in front of Pele. I, I kind of look at Pele as, as sort of a Bill Russell, um, an incredible, credible player, but also as part of some incredible teams um, and at a time where the competition wasn't quite the same. Um, but you really <laughs> – this is one of those discussions where it's like, is there a wrong answer? I don't think so. Um, but he's an incredible, an incredible player, an incredible human being, a, a guy who's – filled with controversy um with some of the political leaders he's affiliated with himself with uh through the years um but you know we we send our best wishes to not only his family but the many people he was close to uh el pibe de oro gracias y descansa en paz wow i love that matt that was so that was so well done hey i gotta you know we gotta do it right plus i've been i've been working on my spanish so there you go. That sounded great. I would. I. I that was great. Good for you. <laughs> my brother. My brother's completely fluent in Spanish too. So it's like while I'm home, I'm like, I need to work on it because I can literally ask him anything or you know have a conversation with him. Because once you like, once you actually start talking it, you know, it's talking it. Gee, I can't even speak English. But once you actually start, you know, using it in like practice, it's so much easier to learn it. But I figure that would be apt to uh, to wish him the best and in espanol there you go yeah the best player conversation is definitely a confusing one and i i you know what the way that i put it i i don't the only reason i don't i don't have messi and ronaldo in the rankings because for me i need them to retire first before i can like see what happens you know, like, you know, yeah they have so much the still full they, right exactly scope of their career i i i i 100 see where that I mean, Ronaldo could win another European championship for sure. Lionel Messi could definitely win uh, Copa America as well. That adds another one to their thing. But you're right. You said you hit it on the head, right? Like national teams is all that mattered pre 2000s. Like it is like you had clubs that were and it was great to win. And, you know, you had some great games. But, you know, you can't even compare Maradona and Pele to Ronaldo and Messi because you think about it. Ronaldo has won one Euro, has gone to the semis with Portugal and the other one. That's all he's done. Pele won two different World Cups and was competitive in two other ones. Maradona took two consecutive World Cup finals. Messi took his team to one and they lost. You know, so like how? And then, but even- then if you compare the club, the club like accolades, Ronaldo's got what five Champions Leagues, and I think. Right. I think Maradona won one. I mean, now it's the Europa League, and I don't think Pele has really any. Euros. Yeah, so, yeah. It's it's it's, it's 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 such a. I mean, it's always true with sports where like trying to compare the eras is difficult. But I think it's it's even more so with soccer because of because of just how it's it changed of of what we what we value and and what's become more like when the European Championship started. It like just it didn't mean like Champions League just didn't mean as much as it goes underway. But you know, once you play. 60 of them, 70 of them, it starts getting, you know, more prestigious. For sure. Yeah. So for me, Pele and, you know, Maradona, honestly, I, I go back and forth on whether he's two or three because of some personal bias. I, I obviously, Franz Beckenbauer for me is right up there as well. Uh, you know, famous German sweeper, 74 World Cup, led Bayern to their 70 success. Uh, 
kind of al- always up there in the top three. But yeah, those top three, you know, pre two thousand. If we're talking best players too, I think we, we have to at least mention Johan Cruyff. We, we, we oh, would be course. we would be doing an ill service to the game of soccer if we, we don't at least drop his name in in the discussion. Right, exactly. And honestly, when I said I said right here, I had it in my notes, best on the ball footballer, and I struggled to say that as soon as I said it because I said I don't know if that's true. I yeah. don't know if that's true. Johan Cruyff is is like, if you haven't seen Johan Cruyff play, like I'm sure you've seen Maradona. I'm sure you've seen Pele highlights. If you haven't seen Johan Cruyff highlights, it's like watching a painter. Like it is watching an artist. It is amazing. It's and I, and I think too like that's you, you make a great point there of like the game I th- basketball there's a little bit of you know personality and, and and the way you play but I think soccer more than than anyone is it's a very like the style of how you play is so personal and and so it's like it's tough to compare players that way because like yeah if you're gonna compare it on just this one you know thing then this player is a lot lot better but like each player has has the way they play the game, you know, it's like, like an artist. So it's a tough, it's always a tough sport to be like, you're the best, but uh, we, we like to talk sports. So we're still, we're still going to try and we're still going to do this uh, insane. Who's the best of all time discussion in, in every sport forever and ever. Amen. <laughs> yeah. All right, Jan, let's pivot to a, to a little more good news. The college basketball season has begun. It's been a long wait after the cancellation of March Madness and all the conference tournaments last year, and not not a long delay, but a little bit of a delay of, of the start, it's it's underway. Uh, the non-conference schedule, not normally what it is. I, I certainly missed Feast Week this year, where there's literally basketball on 24-7 the week of Thanksgiving. But we still got the Maui invitation. We still had some really, honestly, some great like matchups. I've been, I, I've loved, I mean, the Hawks, you know, picked up Gonzaga in that game. Like, I, I love how the crazy non-conference has allowed for teams to be like, well, we got to make some resume, like we are going to have some resume building games. So we've gotten to still see a lot of good matchups so far. And there's a lot more coming and including today, we got Texas and UNC battling for that Maui crown, albeit in Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, you got Gonzaga getting another test with a visit from Bob Huggins and the Mountaineers. And pardon me. We get our first top five battle with the number five fighting Illini going up against the Baylor Bears, who are ranked number two. Both teams trying to prove their true national champion contenders. Some of the things I've, you know, just taken notice of in the first week or two, I guess, how many weeks has it been now? Like two weeks of basketball. Luca Garza is without a doubt the best player in the country. I'm uh, not even, and, I, and like, I'm not even sure. It's, I don't know who two is because he's so much better than it's everyone. Just close. give the guy all the player of the year awards. He's already sealed it up. I know I know Hawks and Garza haven't really been tested, but started with 26 points and 10 boards and then followed it up with 41 points, 36 at half, and he didn't miss a field goal, which included two threes. Ended the game 14 from 15, three for three from deep, 10 from 12 from the free throw line. Uh, and the offensive guy game for this guy is just absurd. Like he he had the shot, I think the first game that was like the Dirk shot, and <laughs> each commentator won't stop talking about the fact that apparently he's going to try and, and get the sky hook to be a part of his offensive game. But I, the the Hawkeyes are, are going to go as far as the supporting guys go because Luca Garza is going to get you 25 and 10 every single night. He's the most sure thing in college basketball and one of the most sure things I've seen in a while. 
Right. I mean, he's averaging 33 and a half points per game. And you can say, and you can say Iowa hasn't been tested and you'd be right. But look at the other teams that haven't been tested and are one and two right now. Like, that's just the truth. So, Absolutely. you know, you it's these early games. It's the non-preparation that they didn't really have. And yet he's come out and shown not only that he's who we think he is, but he's made that jump. He's made that jump. He's not a 25-point player anymore. Now he can be a 30-point player per game. Now he Iowa can kind of have an off day at the office and he can pick up the slack. That makes Iowa dangerous. That makes them deserving of the number three right now in the rankings. And I mean... And and football after the terrible start, we're ranked nineteenth. I mean, Iowa, Iowa's there. Iowa's there. Thank goodness. Yeah, if Brian Ferentz could have coached the first two games. We'd be six and zero and sitting pretty. Do you think? I have. I have. I don't. I have a hard time thinking Gars is going to stay at thirty a game. But God, I would love it just because it's it's not something you see at the college game a lot. Like somebody averaging thirty. That's and most of the time, if it is, it's somebody like from a small mid major school or something like that. That like just goes off and is kind of the whole offense. But I, I suppose I just think as a Hawkeye fan, I, I don't want him to have to score 30 is probably more where my, uh, my, uh, but it would be dope because (laughs) it's just cool. Plus, you know, he's just, he's just fun to watch. Like he, he makes the game so easy on himself and uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a good year, but just, just given the player of the year awards, there's, there's no discussion about, (laughs) Who, who else would you give it to? Uh, and as good as Luca Garza has looked, I think team-wise, man, Gonzaga just looks impressive. And, and cool. I think I think right now are clearly the best team. Now, basketball season's a long season, so teams will get better and things will develop. But this team just looks incredibly sharp. The, the offense is ferocious. They're able to score from all three levels on the offensive side of the ball. You got the All-American Corey Kispert. You had the big-time freshman Jalen Suggs, and, and now the Florida transfer Andrew Nimhard has been cleared to play. You, you you have to ask, like, how do you stop this team? They, they beat KU 102-90 to in a game. Like, KU is a good defensive team. And, and it was a game that, like, even that 12-point win, I don't think gave credit, like, gives enough credit to how, like, it was never in question. Gonzaga was always going to win that game. They followed up with a 90-67 to demolition of the Auburn Tigers. I really think to, to beat them is going to require a, a slow tempo. Like I think you're, I think anyone, even the Hawkeyes, are going to have to try and implement a sort of Wisconsin Virginia tempo because if you get into an offensive shootout with the Zags with with the amount of weapons, like they they don't have a guy as good as Luca Garza, but they've got so many good strong players that can contribute and and have strong offensive skills and can take it down low, can shoot from the three, can get the mid-range, like, they're just deep. Right. I mean, you know what they remind me of? They remind me of the Miami Heat, except they're playing in a league where the Lakers don't exist, right? So <laughs> it's like, you know, so there is no team with LeBron. That Pretty can solid. Right. So, I mean, we said it from the beginning that the Zags were our favorite to win the, the you know, college championship. And especially with what's happened around the teams around them, I mean, if you want to talk about Virginia, like, I don't think Virginia – you know, at, at, you can't hold Gonzaga from for under 80 points. I just think that's the fact. And so any team is that's going to – like, let's say Virginia could hold them to 80. Virginia is not going to score 80 on them. So, like, that's that's just that. Like, I just don't understand. I, I It's kind of – it's this oxymoron where you kind of have to 
implement a Virginia defense, but if you implement that, you still have to score 85 points. So how do you do the two things at once? You do have to go toe-to-toe with them because you have to keep up with them, but you also have to hold back. Like, I just don't know if it's possible. Like, Gonzaga has to have an off day for someone to beat them. That's in my head. That's the only way they lose. Yeah, I mean, you probably could hold them to 80 just from, like, you, you – using the shot clock, the college shot clock being 35 seconds, like certainly helps you shorten the amount of possessions that a team like Gonzaga would have. But I, I agree with you where it's like the, the 80 points a game is, is somewhat irrelevant. It's more like Gonzaga's they're going to score like nine times out of 10. So you really are like going to have to just shorten the possessions and, and not let them have offensive, like have the ball on offense that much, because that's the only way you're going to stop them from really racking up the points is, is just trying to shorten the game as much as possible and, and not let them touch the ball that much. Because if you get into a quick game like that, they're just going to keep on scoring. Uh, but yeah, you mentioned Virginia getting upset, Villanova getting upset, the, the Dons of San Francisco evoking their old legend, Bill Russell, to help them get the win over the Cavaliers. Uh, another West Coast Conference team too, so – who knows? Maybe the I'm not even going to say that. I was going to say maybe the oh, Zags will have a, have a couple challenges in the conference. No, they won't. They've run the West Coast Conference since forever. But uh, you know, it's I, kind of like I said in the college basketball preview we did. Virginia they play such a low scoring style, and and you even mentioned it with like they're not going to score 80 points, and and they play such a specific tile style that they're always going to be vulnerable to, to losing to anyone, including San Francisco. If, if that team, if, like if the team they're playing is making shots, they're going to be vulnerable to lose. Like we saw it two years ago in the NCAA tournament when they were the first one seed to lose to a 16 seed. Like when you don't score that much, many points, the, the margin of air is so little. And I just don't, I know Sam Hoiser's good. I, they have another transfer. I'm, I'm blanking on his name from Rice, who I, I know is playing well. So they have some good offensive weapons, but like that championship team was was just kind of like this perfect, you know, iteration and also had some decent luck on the way to that title. But I, I think Virginia's probably still ACC favorites, but I, but I almost think that's just because the ACC is kind of down. I, I'm not impressed with Duke. I, I think Michigan State is a good team, but like I, I think it's going to be a disappointing year for Coach K and the Blue Devils. So I, Maybe, you know, I mentioned Villanova losing. Maybe a team like Virginia Tech um, could make a run for that ACC title. Buzz Williams is a great coach. He's really done a lot of great stuff over that at Virginia Tech. But we still don't know really what North Carolina is. Uh, we'll learn a little bit more about them today with their game against Texas. But the ACC seems kind of wide open to me. Like I said, I, I would lean still that Virginia is probably the favorite because that style of play – on a, you know, micro game level leaves them very vulnerable, but it is, we've seen it be extremely effective over a season to, to rack up wins for Tony Bennett. But uh, I, I think the ACC is going to be a fun one to watch. It just, it seems like there's a lot. We Florida state, of course, like Leonard Hamilton is one of the most underappreciated coaches in the country. Um, and I, I, Villanova, I think is, is fine. Like Virginia, I, I, I think they were exposed. I think Villanova is probably still going to be fine. Um, but, but we'll see. Right. I mean, yeah, Virginia, you know, the, the, the truth is Virginia's defense is really good, right? But, I mean, they're really good. But their defense isn't good enough still because they their defense, their defense basically has to hold teams to 50 points 
You know, like they really have to hold teams to not scoring at all. Which, which they probably will most of the time. Right. But, you know, then you have a good player walk in and then it's over. So I, I, I agree. Their defense can't do it all. That's been proved against San Francisco because you watch that game against San Francisco, right? Like I, I'll eat crow here. I had them as my number two, right? I'll eat the crow. Like you have them falling to just a good game by San Francisco and like props to San Francisco. But at the same time, it's like, come on. What do you expect Virginia to do against Gonzaga? Like we just talked, like, what do you expect them to do? They're still going to let in 80 points and they're going to lose 80 to 60. They're going to get blown out. So I, I just, yeah, I think you're right. I think they've been exposed and, um, yeah, the ACC is in a weird transition period, right? Like Duke, we felt like for a couple years now, they're not, you know, since Zion left, really, like they're not, uh, they're still trying to figure out what to do. And and North Carolina coming off their worst season, you know, and they're a couple games, they're, they've been fine, but they've had some holes in their game too. So I'm not 100% sold on them either. And uh, Duke's just yeah, become well, Kentucky. And like, they have, yeah. We've, we've, sh- we've seen that still like, it doesn't work. Kentucky, had, like, I think Coach Cal is fine with what he's doing at Kentucky. Like, I think he's he's making lots of money. They win a good amount of games. He gets a lot of guys in the NBA. I think he's very content. But he's got one national championship over all the years of having an insane recruiting class after insane recruiting class after insane recruiting class. Like, And that was a special, special team with a guy named Anthony Davis in the middle. Like, that team was insanely deep. And Duke did have, uh, you know, those freshmen that led them in, I think it was 2016 with Jaheel Okafor and uh, Winston. And um, I'm blanking on blanking on the point guard, but it just, we've seen it for the most part, like a team built around freshmen just can't get it done in, in the long run. And I think Coach K has, has stepped over to the dark side a bit of, in his eyes of, of, you know, doing the one and dones and stuff. But I, I'm not sure it's the right strategy for you, Coach K. Like I, I think you had a pretty solid strategy where you were getting good. You're still getting good recruits. It's not like you were getting, you know, two stars. Um, but yeah, it's ACC is going to be a fun one to watch. For sure. Yeah, I mean, I think also look at Kentucky. Like the one thing Kentucky can always hang their hat on is good offense, right? Like they've been blown out defense wise. But like this year, they're one and two. I mean, let's talk about Kentucky. They're one and two. They won against Moorhead State, which was a gimme. They needed to win that. They were upset by eight points against Richmond, which the only reason we're not talking about that more is because Virginia got upset on the same day. Uh, Otherwise, that would be the biggest upset that we're talking about. And they also lose a close battle with Kansas, which is fine because KU is a good team. But they got scoring questions. I mean, they scored 64 against Richmond. They scored 62 against Kansas. Like, if you're recruiting good scores, you have to score. Like that that right. has to be the one thing that you hold your hat on. So, I mean, look at Coach K, look at Coach Cal, look at Roy Williams. I, you know what, Matt? I think we're about to see like the end of an era in college basketball. I think we really are. I think we're going to see the end of an era. Not this season, well, maybe. Like, but I, 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 yeah, oh, I mean, those guys are getting older. I, then the thing with Kentucky, too, is like Kentucky in the first 10 games is like – it is always because it's always freshmen. It's not. It doesn't really mean much. Like the team that we're gonna is gonna be in the NCAA tournament is going to be such a completely different team. But right, it's right. true because like these guys, I think they're all, I think they all are really good offensive players. But when you're young and you're you're new to a team, like once you get to that level, you you can't just kind of be the the top dog. Like you have to play a team offense. It can't just be one on five. And and try to like all of you guys try to play hero ball, which is 
becomes the case a lot of times when you have these really great recruits that are young. Like it's not that they're dumb or like foolish or anything, but like they're just young guys. They've been able to dominate one on five for years. And now it's a, it's better competition that you're coming up with. And and you kind of have to make that elevation as basketball, just like IQ wise. And it's, it's more of like, you need the time to, to really learn the more ins and outs of the game instead of just relying on being an, an incredible basketball player and, and an incredible athlete. Like there is, there is the, the finer points of the game, but I'm going to, I'm going to give a top five right now. I've got number five. I've been loving on Creighton and I'm just going to keep on loving them. So I got the blue Jays at number five. I love the offensive system that, that Doug McDermott runs there or Greg McDermott, my bad. <laughs> uh, and I think them and Nova are going <laughs> to be battling out for the big East championship. Number four, I have the Illini big test tonight against Baylor. It's going to say a lot about this team. They, they had a close one against Ohio, uh, but I actually think that I think that Ohio team was a strong team. It's, I think they're going to be a good mid-major team. And I mean, the thing with Illinois is they, especially Io DeSunu, Io DeSunu, um, they fall in love with the jump shot. And like once they started just throwing it down to Kofi Co- Coburn, the, the game turned around and they started getting in control of it. So if they play a smarter, you know, style, they, they have the pieces to do it. Baylor is my number three. They haven't really shown much this year, but with the holdovers from last year, it's tough to think that this team won't be one of the best. And of course, they'll be a part of that test with Illinois tonight. So we're going to learn a lot about two contenders tonight. And number two, I got our Hawks, man. It, it starts with Garza, but the role players around him look sharp. And I tell you what, the emergence of Pat McCaffrey could be a huge difference maker. The guy he's a former top 40 recruit. He's got a silky offensive game, length, uh, and and just just a smart player. So if he can keep on coming up and and you know, especially coming off the bench, that's huge for the Hawks. And then number one, it's it's Gonzaga. You know, it's for all the reasons I've already mentioned. They got the star power. They got the depth. They have one of the truly great coaches. Like how can you not love Mark Few? Uh, but there's my top five: Creighton, Illinois, Baylor, Iowa, and of course the Zags. Jan, what what changes would you make to my top five? Right. I mean, I, I agree with all of those. I mean, Iowa, you know, switching with Baylor. I, I, I agree with it because here's the thing, right? Like we had big questions coming in about Baylor and about the Illini, right? So I think tonight's game is going to be such a, a, you know, I mean, I know obviously with COVID and everything happening, it's hard to say this definitively as it would be with other seasons, but I think it's going to be such a big night to see like which of those teams is legit. Because one only one of those teams is Completely legit. Agree. I don't I don't believe they're both legit. I think probably one is. So and and you know what? I'm putting my money on the Illini as well. I don't think Baylor is as legit as maybe that, you know, the number two would say they are. You know, I don't think I think Virginia dropped and they went up fine, but I, I they think started they started they started AP wise, they started the year number two. Oh, they started number two. Okay, well there yeah. you go. I but I, I mean, that... I mean, I agree with you. Like, and two, like Baylor, like last year was they had that great like twenty something game winning streak, but then like I think they lost like three or three of their last four games. Like, it's a team that it's it's tough to like. You don't want to rely on role players, but like the fact that you can look at Illinois and be like, Iodasunu and and Kofi Coburn are going to be able to make plays for you at times. I don't. I'm not sure Baylor has that player. I, I think they're a great. I think they're a really strong team. But but I, I completely agree. Right, exactly. I you know, I think I think they're a great 
Yeah, I think they're a good team. They're an above-average team. Don't get me wrong. They definitely belong up there and, and will cause someone headaches. But, like, I think um, that at the end of the day, the Illini are the ones that are going to be the contenders uh, when it comes, you know, to the end of it. So I think they win tonight. If if you had to pick uh, a bit who you think would win the Big 12 right now between Baylor and KU, where are you going? Ugh. That's hard, man. That's a hard one. I'm gonna go KU. I I think KU only. Dude, I go KU, and I don't. I, that it wasn't that hard for me. I and maybe it's just because right. KU's dominated for so long. But like, I just I think I think they have. We just kind of know what Baylor is, and like the the ceiling for Baylor like is like kind of there. Where like KU, you know, they're gonna get better. And I, if, if you know, if somebody said, "Hey, you have to put fifty bucks down on who's gonna win the Big 12, I'd. I'd pretty confidently be like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take KU in that bet. Right, exactly, because everything we're expecting from Baylor is all still – it's all still uh, – what's the word? It starts with a P. It's all still uh, – it's all still – what's the word with the P that is about having potential? Potential. It, it's nice. all about – it's all about potential, which they do. Dude, I'm really, glad that you, I'm really glad that you fought through to get that word. That was well done. Thank you. I was like, ah, it's on the. T- I, I'm not gonna try to bullshit my way out of this one. I know what the word is. I know what the word is. Uh, no, but I. It is all about potential, and and you know why I'll put my money on KU right now is because the only reason I would not is if Baylor wins tonight, and I don't think they will. If Baylor wins tonight, I'll give Baylor the the benefit of the doubt if they beat the Illini, you know, and it's not the Illini doing really bad, then I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. But they have to beat the Illini tonight, and I just don't see that happening. I really don't. So uh, I think it's going to be pretty cut and dry there. And, you know, and you know the Zags get their – you know, going back to Gonzaga, they get their first kind of test against West Virginia. It's not going to be close. Like, they're playing a team that's ten, only 10 rankings below them. They might blow them out by 30 points. They like, they play, like, they play the worst sort of defensive style for the Zag. Like, like what I was saying earlier, like, you want to shorten that game, they want – kind of chaos like they they thrive on defense but it's a defense that's like high energy that's go 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 which is exactly the kind of tempo Gonzaga wants to play at like they're gonna screw themselves with their like their own style is gonna be shooting themselves in the foot completely uh yeah Baylor I I'm excited for the Baylor Illinois game because I I want to see what Illinois does against a good defense like Baylor's shortcomings are truly on the offensive side we know they're a good defensive team so when when Io like faces a tough defense. Are you are you gonna just sit back there and shoot threes? Are you are you gonna take to the rim? Are you gonna throw it down low to Coburn? Because that's what you're gonna have to do sometimes. So I'm I'm really excited for this matchup. Just too because kind of like you said, like we we know a lot about these teams, but we we're not quite like we need that last piece of the puzzle to be like okay, so that's that's what this team's gonna be this year. So I, I can't wait for it. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. I mean, college basketball is back, people. And if you're not watching, get on it now because it's it's just going to get better. It's on like all day right now. Like, what are you doing? Love it. Be un- go be unemployed like me so you can just watch basketball. Let's get our passports out. Let's go stop in, into our favorite football leagues to check in with the standings and just kind of how each league is going. And then I didn't ask you to do this, but I'm going to – Put this in the back of your head to, to start thinking about it. I want you to give me a, a, your top five power rankings of European soccer teams as well. I think I think we all know who is and deserves number one, but I'm interested to see who you got two, three, four, and five. 
Okay, I'll make it up as I go. Yeah, for sure. I, I think I have an idea, but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna probably convince myself of some things as I'm talking here. Uh, it's a so tough I'm, year to do, dude. It's a tough year because a lot of teams. Like Bayern's the only team that's been consistent. Right, and even they, even they have had some stuff come up. So I, you know, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. But let's let's start with Bayern. Let's get them out of the way so I can get my bias in real quick. Uh, the German Bundesliga. We're going to start in Well-deserved bias. Yeah, well-deserved. Thank you. Uh, match day 10 coming up. I've given you so much shit about Bayern that now I feel like I've scared you off from actually giving them their due credit. They they are still great, Jan. Right. I'm uh, right. You guys are allowed to bask in it. But I'm wearing my triple 2020 shirt right now as I do this season three opener. So I, I'm feeling it still. You know, we had a disappointing draw against Bremen last week, and that definitely opened the door to Dortmund. Uh, they smashed whatever team they were playing, like 5-0, something like that. So it became a little interesting. But here's the thing. That game between Bayern and Dortmund, we talked about it. They have to win that game. They at least have to get a point from that game because this is what happens, right? Bayern only loses once. They get back to winning ways this week. You know, with a 3-1 victory over Stuttgart, you know, Kingsley Coman scores. Douglas Costa gets another goal for his old club, now new club. Robert Lewandowski on the score sheet again. And Dortmund falls to Cone, right? They lose 2-1. It's a brace by Shkiri. You know, you can call it an upset that no one could see coming. But this is what happens, right? You're going to drop te- points against teams that you don't expect to drop points against. And so you have to grab points against the top teams. You have to, in the Bundesliga at least. And you have to grab points against Bayern. So Bayern gets three points, Dortmund gets zero. And that right there, I mean, I'm not saying that Bayern's going to win because there's no other competitors, but, I mean, we're talking about it right now. Dortmund is four points off of Bayern. So you realistically, they have to win two games where Bayern's not winning two games. And that's already hard to think about. So uh, it, it, it does become, you know, Dortmund needed to win that game. That that becomes a bigger issue every, every day. Uh, the one per- team that is competing with Bayern... RB Leipzig, they keep the pressure on. They get a close 2-1 victory over Bielefeld, but they get the victory. That's what's important, you know, so they keep their their close on. Leverkusen doing really well. So there are teams still up there, uh, but Bayern's first still. They got a two-point advantage over second-place Leipzig. And if you look at the two teams, you know, you don't expect Leipzig to really be able to keep up with them offensively. Like, at least Dortmund has Erling Haaland. They have Marco Royce. They have Jaden Sancho. They have Giovanni Reina. They have a lot of talents that can keep up with them offensively. But you got you to gotta perform. And Leipzig doesn't have those. Since Timo Werner left, they're a great team. They will perform and they will win. But they don't have the talent to outshoot Bayern. So, Bayern's first two points right now. Uh, a two-point advantage, I mean, over second-place Leipzig. You know, Leipzig, congratulations to them. They're doing really well. I believe they maybe grab oh they oh no, they are tied right now. Three 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 with Istanbul in the Champions League. So that becomes a Come bad on, thing. Istanbul. Come yeah, on, that, Istanbul. There you go. Oh. That becomes a good thing for Matt's team right there. Oh uh, my goodness. Had a two zero lead. I didn't know that game had started. Yeah, twelve fifty five. I was watching it earlier. Thank you and- for giving me that good news, Yannick. Of course. Can we talk about Istanbul though? I was watching the game today and I was like, they got Hulk. They they got uh they got uh, what's his name? Uh, Hulk. Martin Skirtle in the back. They I mean they they got some players up they got, there. Yeah. They got some It's players. true. So like I, I, I don't mind that. I love it. It's like kind of the, the wasteland of old old names. So I, I you know, that's what Turkey is in general, I think, for a lot of it people. It really <laughs> is, dude. It's hilarious. It's like, oh, are you at the uh, twilight of your career? Come to Turkey. Right, exactly. And it's like, 
I don't know. Players keep. I mean, they must get good money, so good for them. Uh, so Byron's first with a two point advantage. Leipzig second. Leverkusen, like I said, performing really well. They are actually the next team up. They are third, and Dortmund fourth place, four points off of Bayern. They got to find some kind of way to turn it around in the Bundesliga. Some other notes. Borussia Mönchengladbach performing really well in the Champions League, fending off Inter Milan and Real Madrid. Look like they might even top the league, depending on what happens in the last game day. Uh, but they're struggling in the Bundesliga. You know, they're seventh place, despite having the Champions League aspirations that they do, and they've conceded 14 goals. So they're also going to have to figure out a way, because they won't win the Champions League, so they want to be in the Champions League at least next week, next year. So they want to figure out how to do that. And kind of a note from the bottom in the Bundesliga, Schalke, bottom still. They have three points from nine games. They've allowed 28 goals. That's six less than the next closest team. They are a, they are a, I mean, they are a marquee team. Bayern Schalke used to be the game to watch. Like that used to be it. And now it's ridiculous. Dortmund Schalke used to be the rivalry to watch and they've fallen. They fired their coach. They've cut three players randomly because of internal conflict. I mean, they need to figure something out. Like they need to clean house. They need everybody who's ever been associated with them in the next five years. They need to clean house. They really, really do. I mean, truthfully, it's like the Jags. You're done. You're gone. it's like the Jags. Get everybody out of there. It's it's not working. Yeah. It's not working. Uh, but yeah. Except the Jags were never good. Except the Jags were never good. You're right. You're right. It's like the. It, <laughs> I got. It, I got a quick. I got a quick question, Jan. Yeah. 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 Are you? Uh, I mean, I think Bundesliga wise, there's there's no concern, especially like Bayern scored 31 goals, but 13 goals allowed. Does that worry you at all more for like Champions League games? Of of that's. I mean, because that's. A decent amount of goals allowed for the team that up top, and and, and like I said, it, it's not hurting them because their goal scoring prowess has, has been so much. But maybe when you get into the knockout round, is is that anything that that you are concerned with as as a Bayern fan? Uh I'm going to give it an annoying answer. I'm going to say yes and no. I, I think that I think that it's definitely like 13 goals is too many to concede this early. I mean, we had I believe it was the 2011 season. We had a record like 12 goals conceded all season. Like, that's what, you know, we hang our hats on that sometimes. Uh, but I think it also makes sense, right? Like, our best consistent defender is Jerome Boateng. And that's not good because Jerome Boateng is older than, you know, than than can be, you know, relied on. David Alaba, he's been in his head all season because of the transfer news around him. Is he going? Is he not going? I think that's really gotten to him. His form has really been kind of up and down. Joshua Kimmich obviously been injured in a couple of games that we've conceded in. He's kind of a defensive bedrock. And just the way we play, you know, it, it does invite more pressure. So if you have those players off their game, you know, Nicholas Zula, they're rediscovering, they're re-talking uh, about his contract because the coach has literally said, you're, you're too fat. Like, you're out of shape. Like, you, you need to, like, figure this out or we're cutting you. And Nicholas Zula, before his injury at the end of last year, was the defender. Like, he was the defender coming up. So, uh, you <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, it, it, it's it, amazing to me how much like it doesn't happen that frequently, but like I feel like like people being out of shape and, and I understand soccer is is a, a pretty special sport because you are running for 90 minutes. Like it, it's it's a shape that, you know, is, is tough to, to be in. But like I, you just don't really hear about it like basketball or like football players as much like coming in and being like, man, this dude's completely out of shape. And I think it happens like frequently enough in soccer where I'm just like, come on guys. 
Right. I mean, you look at Ronaldo playing at the end of his career, Brazilian Ronaldo. He was a he was a ball. He really was. He was a bowling Dude, ball. Dude, even the last World, even the last World Cup he was in, where he like broke the record, like he he had a little punch to him. Right. They're like, thank God he broke the record because he's not playing next time around. That's for sure. That's for sure. Uh, no, but I mean, their defense, they've needed some solidifications for a while now, and they still haven't gotten it. And they've gotten away with it because of their style of play. And and I think they will continue to get away with it. Uh, it does concern me. It would concern me more if there was another team playing really good football that I think, you know, like if Liverpool was playing at last year's Liverpool level, I would be like, oh, like there's no way we can keep up with them. But even they are kind of not. And I think that's all a result of like the COVID you know, pandemic shortening everything and putting everything together. No teams on their tops. It's going to, it's going to be some time, but you're right. 13 goals, too many to concede. And uh, we just, we got away with it so far. And I'll give you one last note in the Bundesliga, Leipzig finding a way to grab the four to three winner in the 92nd minute. Wow, that um, Unfortunate, uh, but uh, you know, another German team going well. So it's okay. You just have to beat PSG. That's all you got to do, buddy. That's fine. It'll be fine. Hey, we've got that down. <laughs> I know you do. All right. Well, let's move over to La Liga. And it is still not, I mean, it's shaky, but it is still Real Sociedad at the top of the league 12 games in. That's pretty That's pretty great. I mean, Real Sociedad being at the top 12 games in, you know, they dropped points this weekend to Villarreal in a 1-1 draw. They stay top, but it's going to be closer now. Uh, some other news. Barcelona had a terrible start to the season and they lost to Atletico Madrid last weekend, so it became, you know, what is going to happen with them. They come back on terms. They beat Osasuna 4-0 like they should. Antoine Griezmann scored a screamer. If you haven't seen it, please look it up. It is an amazing goal. Uh, goals from Braithwaite, who I still don't know why he's there, but, I mean, he's scoring, so, I mean, that's something, I guess. Uh, Felipe Coutinho, shout-out to the ex-Bayern player, and Lionel Messi. They all score. Uh, kind of beautiful moment. Lionel Messi got a yellow card because he took his jersey off underneath his jersey. Uh, he had a Newell's old boys jersey, which was the first team Diego Maradona played for. Had Maradona on the back. Uh, can we just stop giving players a I yellow card? I think it was game worn. It was game yeah. worn. I didn't know that. That's, That's what I think. Yeah. That's Dude, it agreed. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. I mean, what is it doing? Like, I get it if you're taking off your shirt and hitting someone with it or something like that. But unless there's some altercation, what is it doing? I mean, what are you doing? <laughs> Taking a special moment to honor one of the greatest players. Or, like, a lot of times they'll rip it off and it'll be, like, for someone that's passed or something. Like, what? Right. how does that deserve a yellow card? Like, that's such a stupid, like, black and white thing about a rule where it's like, no. That's why we have refs to have, you know, the, the – wherewithal to be like oh does this really deserve a yellow card absolutely not right i agree and let's i mean let's let's make it more simple than that matt if i score a 93rd minute winner over a team like a rival team or any team and i rip my shirt off and i have nothing underneath why should i get a yellow card it's the end of the game that's when people rip their shirts off and they're just getting yellow cards for no freaking reason and it's like it's like it's who like he's gonna put the jersey back on like what what is the negative thing of just like, is it just like, oh, you're celebrating too much? Like, come on. Right. It, I feels, feel like like it feels like a ba- like one of those unspoken rules of, I mean, it is spoken, but like it feels like one of those unspoken baseball rules where it's like, you don't do that. I'm like, this is stupid. Right. It, it's it's bat flips. That's what it is. It's bat flips. I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. And both of those rules need to, both of those rules need to be revisited. I mean, it's, it, it, 
and and like football celebrations, all of that. It's like I know that you have this courtesy thing, but we're in 2020. People are 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 pumped. You know, we're this is the age we're in. We don't care about courtesy. We care about competition. Let's do it. You know, that's kind of and like what there's, it is. there's certainly is a time where like people can over celebrate, but like that's why you make like you make the decision to be like, yeah, that that was over celebrate, but like just celebrating in in itself shouldn't be like why is that such a negative thing right because you're basically saying i mean you're basically and i'm going to use football because i have a really good example for football but you're basically saying some guy spinning the ball on the ground right is the same as stevie johnson pretending to be a plane running into the two towers like those aren't the same thing like those aren't the same thing and you can use your head like that's so that should be a penalty that should be a fine or just find them it, like don't put a penalty in the game find them afterwards if you really feel like it but like don't put a penalty in the game that might change the game you know that doesn't make any sense to me uh but regardless barcelona grabbing an important 4-0 win for them and their aspirations they're still far off they still have some work to do the real story is atletico madrid grabbing a 1-0 victory over valencia it was close it was decided by an own goal by tony lato but they did make up a gap because of the Real Sociedad draw. So they're kind of the top contenders besides them. And you think about it in terms of like historically who we believe is going to be a contender. Although Atleti has had some questions, obviously, in the Champions League. But they are up there as well. Real Madrid, though, disappointing. I mean, they lost an embarrassing game to, to Alaves 2-1 to this weekend. Lucas Perez and Jose Lu both punishing Los Blancos. Casemiro grabbed a goal too little too late. You know, they had 20 shots on goal and they only got one in. That's not what you want from a Madrid team, from a Zidane team. And, uh, you know, I I think there's going to be a coaching change there real soon, especially after game six in the Champions League, where they will probably fail to qualify, in my opinion. So uh, in first place, you got Real Sociedad, one point ahead ahead of Atleti in second. Uh, The problem is Atletico Madrid have two games in hand. So they're they they they're playing with house money in there. So Real Sociedad, you know, that top is not as stable as it might seem, uh, and it's not even stable even as it seems right now. It's only one point. Uh, third place, you got Villarreal. Like I said, got that tie against Real Sociedad. They've been playing really well. Uh, they've got three points less than Atleti, but they've played all their games. So kind of in La Liga, you have this weird thing going on of like some teams have played, some teams haven't. So that makes things complicated. But Villarreal currently in third. Real Madrid still in fourth. But they're seven points off the lead, and they have only one game in hand. So really, you know, you think about it, there's still four points realistically off the lead, which is not what you want 12 games in uh, from the best team in Spain, quote-unquote, you know. And Barcelona, after the win, is great, but they're all the way back in seventh. You know, they're outside of the European spots. Uh, they have two games in hand, too, so things will change there. But they're 10 points off the lead. So you, get, you give them six points. They're still four points off the lead. So both those teams struggling, struggling. Uh, we'll be seeing what happens. Atleti is sitting real good. Atleti is sitting real good. They are, and I think that they're going to be the contender to, to, you know, Real Sociedad's showing the cracks already. It's going to be hard for them to keep it up. Uh, I, 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 I'm not calling them like they can't win it. I think they'll they'll compete, but I, I Atletico, where if I was any of the fans, I would want to be an Atletico fan, is what I'm saying. Right. Uh, I mean, if Atletico wins their next two games, they have a five-point lead over Real Sociedad. Like, they they have been the best team, and two, I mean two goals allowed in nine matches. It's it's just classic Atleti, right? And the only question remains, like, you know, is the Atleti from La Liga always going to show up, or is it going to be the Atleti from the Champions League who has been terrible? So like, it, it's that's what really depends 
who's going to show up. And, uh, and, and, you know, they've been going well in La Liga, but they've also dropped some points that they could actually be in the lead right now. So we'll see. But, I mean, it's exciting. You know, they still have to do some work, which is good. Uh, and kind of some uh, no- uh, noise at the bottom of the league because Celta Vigo, they're in some trouble. They're in 18th place with only 10 points from 11 games. I mean, they've been in Europe recently, so that's pretty surprising uh, for them being at the bottom. Uh, but yeah, La Liga looking exciting. We expect Barcelona and Real Madrid to come back up, which is going to make things really exciting as Atleti is already up there. And we'll wait to see what happens in Spain. So we're going to move on to Italy now in the Serie A. And, and it, let me tell you, Serie A, it, it started off exciting and it stays exciting to this day. And uh I don't know what's going to happen. It's going to some somebody's going to be real happy and someone's going to be real upset. Like that's just what it is. Like it, it I don't know. It's going to depend on random results here and there. Uh, I mean, so let's talk about it though. Results, you know, Inter Milan. They've got an undefeated streak going since mid October when they lost to AC Milan in a big game there. Uh, they win this weekend three zero thanks to an own goal by uh, Cherisis and uh, goals by Gagliardini and Alexis Sanchez. Uh, so they continue their good run of form. Juventus drop points again. 1-1 draw with Benevento. Alvaro Morata scores and he has a red card. He gets the famous double double there uh, to get a red card and score in the same game. Real real fun to do that. Uh, I don't know. I always him, think that's honestly. funny because it's just like, honestly. And, it, and you know what? It wasn't even for a foul. Like he was trying to put a challenge in. He was just yelling at the ref at the end of the game and got a red card after the fact. So. It, it was dumb. I did not it was know real that. Dumb. hysterical. Uh, yeah, in the 97th minute of the game, he got a red card. And it's just like, what, what, are, you, what are you doing? What are you doing? Right. Like, uh, it's Italian football. What are you going to do? Anyway, Juventus dropping points. Uh, Gaetano Letizia grabbing the famous draw goal for Benevento. Good for them getting a draw against Juventus. But Juventus dropping points again. Atalanta dropping points to Hellas Verona, losing 2-0 th- thanks to a great performance by Miguel Veloso, who scored a penalty and assisted the final goal as well. Uh, Atalanta are three games without a win, and they only got one goal in their last three games, only one win in their last five games. And you know what their draw their draw against Midayayan yesterday, you know, you have to wonder, are the wheels falling off there a little bit uh, for Atalanta? You know, you're going to draw against Midayayan and one goal in the last three games. Hey, that's Gasparini's got to be worried about something for sure. Uh, it's interesting. But um, yeah, they they were obviously a team we're looking at. They dropped points again. Lazio dropped points again. They dropped points to Udinese. They lose three to one. Arslan Pusetto and Forestieri scoring for Udinese. It's Chiramobile, as per usual, with a late consolation penalty for Lazio. It's not enough. They lose their first match in five games, so kind of been on a little bit of a tear, but that ends uh, in, you know, burning fashion, I would say. The one team that's been consistent, AC Milan. They win 2-0 over Fiorentina. Romagnoli and Frank Kessley scoring early to grab the win for the Rossinieri. Matt, did you know this? AC Milan have not lost a game yet. They are undefeated this season, so that they is kind of the, those how... points here and there. But like, hey, tie is better than a loss. Tie is better it's than a loss. It's doing enough do. for him right so, now, right? Uh, it is. It absolutely is. So uh, they they can be happy about that for now for sure. Napoli 
thump Roma 4-0 in kind of a Europa League battle match. Uh, Insigne, Fabian Ruiz, Drius Martins, and substitute Matteo Politano all scoring uh, for Napoli. They grabbed the 4-0 victory. Great response after losing 3-1 to AC Milan last week. Uh, so yeah, the way that the Italian league stands, AC Milan are first. There are five points over second place, which I believe is the high, biggest lead that any uh, leader in any of the leagues, the five major European leagues have over another team in second. So AC Milan sitting pretty in first uh, over their rivals, Inter Milan. Sassuolo staying strong in third despite loss, their loss to Inter Milan. They are tied on points with Inter. Juventus are in fourth and only one point behind Inter, but you think about it, they could have jumped to second with a win. You know, they, they dropped points, then with Inter Milan and Sassuolo both, lose, uh, you know, not doing as well, they could have, you know, jumped to second. And uh, Napoli and Roma, you know, they, they're kind of tied together in those Europa League spots. So uh, that, that win might end up deciding something, but they're still very close there. Atalanta and Lazio down in eighth and ninth. Lazio have scored less goals than they've conceded, so that's definitely... Uh, disappointing for the Immobile-led team, and that's how it looks in Italy. Let's move on to the Premier League, where Matt's team plays its craft. Uh, You know, had some surprising results this weekend. Liverpool falling to a 1-1 draw to Brighton. You know, there was a late penalty by Pascal Gross, which stole the point for Brighton after Hota's 60th-minute opener. I mean, VAR was all over the place with this one. They disallowed two different goals for Liverpool, uh, but Liverpool's second draw in three matches, so that kind of becomes concerning. You know, what does that mean uh, for the Reds? Obviously, they've played a lot of games, so I, I think it doesn't mean anything, and they're still up there, so it's probably not anything to be concerned about. But it is something to keep in note. Man City finding their scoring boots against Burnley. They win 5-0. Riyad Mahrez with a hat-trick. Farron Torres and Benjamin Mendy also scoring, so good on them. They've had some scoring issues, and they get back to it. This weekend, Everton falling 1-0 to Leeds. Rafinha grabbing a goal towards the end of the match to win the game for Leagues. It's their first victory since October 23rd against Villa. Everton, meanwhile, have lost four of their last five and are quickly sliding off the top. Uh, There was a London derby this weekend. Chelsea and Tottenham played a boring 0-0 draw, so I'm not even going to talk about that. No goals there to talk about. Arsenal dropped points to the Wolves in 2-1 loss. Neto and Podence overcoming the Gunners' goal by Gabriel Magalhães. Uh, Arsenal have 13 points in 10 games, so they have started well, but have been very, very disappointing as of late. Leicester City also dropping points. They lose 2-1 to Fulham, which is really going to put a dent in their top four hopes. Uh, Harvey Barnes scored late for the Foxes, but they can't seem to overcome the first half goals by Ivan Caballero and Adamola Lookman, despite dominating most of the game. It's only the second win for Fulham, who are in a relegation fight, and is the second straight loss for Leicester that, like I said, will dent their top four hopes early on and finally Manchester United with a dramatic three to two victory over Southampton in the weekend uh they were actually down 2-0 thanks to first half uh success by Jan Badnarek and James Ward-Prowse but Bruno Fernandes have the deficit after halftime and then substitute Edison Cavani taken over with a late brace to secure the victory for the Red Devils uh it was an important win for Manchester United uh, you know, who have not been good so far in the Premier League and against a pretty decent Southampton side. It is their third win in a row and they're climbing up the standings. So the way the standings look in the EPL, Tottenham stay top despite a draw with Chelsea. Liverpool tied on points, uh, but seven uh, points behind on goal, uh, seven goals behind on goal difference two Spurs. So they're pretty solid in second. So you got Tottenham and then you got Liverpool. Chelsea in third, two points off the lead. You know, if they grab a win. 
against Tottenham, all of a sudden that that table looks a lot different. So they, they'll feel hard done there for sure. And Leicester stay in fourth, but have lots of competition coming up behind them, such as West Ham, Southampton, Wolves. They're all tied on 70 points in a Europa League battle. Everton and Manchester United right behind them, uh, you know, like one point behind them. And Matt, Manchester United, as bad as they've been this season in the Premier League, they are five points off the top. I mean, they're ninth place, but they're five and points off the top. And we got a game in hand. So that's definitely something to hang And you got a game I in have, hand. I so uh, personally. I, you know, I, I think the, the season's the, gone fine. I, it hasn't been, like, ideal, but, like, every single team in Europe is struggling right now. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty pleased with it. I wish they'd play better today right now against Paris Saint-Germain right. and that my internet would work, but – what can I? What can I fucking do? Yeah. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. No. But they. I mean, at first for for the gap between first and ninth to be five points, that's pretty remarkable in the Premier League. Uh, so uh, I think that that's not definitely something to look at. It's going to be an exciting race. And I won't talk about France because we don't talk about France. But what I will say is maybe we'll talk about France soon. PSG is first with twenty five points, but Lille, Lyon. And through Montpellier are all at 23 points. They're only two points behind PSG right now. Marseille have 21 points and have two games in hand. So it might become an interesting battle. PSG play Montpellier. If they drop more points, maybe we'll start talking about Liga. For now, we keep it at PSG's in the lead and everything is per usual. That's the truth. At, uh, is, uh, there's Even in the crazy 2020, there's some things that we can know are for certain. But uh, yeah, the leagues the leagues are going well. I was gonna have you more like talk what you're seeing from the from the leagues, but uh, I got to move on to the NFL so that I can watch my sports. So let's talk NFL, Jan. Let's talk about the playoff picture right now. The AFC, we got the Steelers still in the number one seed. Chiefs are the two seed. The Titans and the Bills, the other three and four, the division leaders, and then the wild cards, the Browns with the five seed now at eight and three. The Dolphins at six, and the Colts are the seven seed. Ravens and the Raiders on the outside looking in with uh, kind of a game behind. If the Ravens pull out the win against the Steelers today, they would be seven and four, uh, just like the Dolphins and the Colts. Uh, and Jan, your, your Pats are still only two games out, so they're they're not they're not out of the playoff race quite yet. Uh, and then the NFC, they're not yet. See, we got the Saints at the one seed, the Seahawks the two. My Packers are sitting in the three and. How about this? The New York football giants at the four seed after a Thanksgiving Day win for Washington over Dallas. And, of course, the Eagles getting not really spanked, but they really did. It was six points, but they got spanked last night. Uh, and then the wild card for the NFC, the Rams certainly getting hot, even though they had that tough loss against the Niners this weekend. The Bucks now sitting at 7-5 in the sixth seed, and the Cardinals are the seventh seed. You got the Vikings, Bears, and Niners all on the outside looking in from the NFC perspective, one game behind the Cardinals. So the the top four of each, I mean, the AFC's top four has kind of stayed pretty consistent almost all year. There's been some moving parts to the NFC, but the same Seahawks and Packers have kind of been there for the most part. Uh, Jan, do you think the Steelers or the Saints lose the top seed in the, in the AFC and the NFC? Do I think the Saints lose the top or the, seed? Do you think either of the top – like, do you think Pittsburgh and New Orleans are both going to be the number one seed when the playoff starts? Uh, I, I, I'm I, not 100% sure. I, I, not, I, wouldn't say, I wouldn't say I'm sure, 
but I I will tentatively say I will tentatively say no. I just don't think the Steelers are going to go undefeated. Um, I, I I think they'll lose one game. I don't know where, but I, I think they'll lose one. I don't think they go undefeated. Uh, so that's going to put them kind of even with the Chiefs. And I see them losing two games maybe, which is, again, nothing. But, you know, I don't think the Chiefs are going to lose again, especially with how Mahomes has been playing. So, you know, that's all up in the air. And then also, like, on top of that, I, I, I do think uh, – yeah, I, I I just think that. How do I say this? I, I I think the Saints are good, but like with losing Breeze is not like the perfect system, and we haven't really seen Taysom Hill have to really really play yet. So it's going to depend on how that situation. I mean, the game against the Broncos was a joke uh, this weekend. So it, it yeah, they're count, so lucky. You know, and, uh, you know, if they keep, right, if they keep if they keep if they keep it going, fine. But I I just I think the teams behind them are too good. Um, so I think that just that injury kind of puts them at it. So I'm gonna say no. I don't know which of them will drop it, but I I, I think both are in precarious positions. So I'll say no. Yeah, I don't I don't think either of them are going to. And, and I agree with you, Steelers mostly. It's just like I don't see them going undefeated, and the Chiefs. I, I don't see the Chiefs losing any of these last few games. And I, and I do think the Saints like having Breeze not there. As you said, they've gotten you know a pretty favorable matchup when you uh, don't have to play a team with a quarterback. Which, like, come on, NFL. I understand you you want to punish a team for not like following the protocols. I get that. Do it in the sense of taking away a draft pick. Like for me, that punishment was such a, a passive aggressive, petty way to handle it. That I, I it's so childish by the NFL. But uh, yeah, I just think the Breeze injury eventually is gonna, you know, hurt them. And and the Packers have the, have the tiebreaker over the Saints. I don't know about the Seahawks. So, but now with the Bucks are seven and five, it does look like the Saints will win the NFC South. It'd, it'd be surprising if they you know dropped three of their last five games and lost that one. But uh, yeah, I think I think we're gonna have different number one seeds when the playoffs begin. Next question for you, Jan: Which teams currently in the playoffs do you see failing to make it? I I I look at the a- AFC. And I, I look at the Dolphins, and I think NFC the Cardinals. I, I think even just like we saw last week with with the Cardinals against your Patriots, Kyler Murray's still a young a young quarterback, and it's still kind of a young team. And they're in a very good division. Like the, the Niners looked good last week. The Rams have been looking good, uh, and, we, and we know what the Seahawks are. So I just think the Cardinals. Uh, there's just going to be too many cooks in that kitchen. Uh, and I think the Vikings, even though I, I would never put faith in Kirk Cousins, but they're moving in the right direction and, and they end the season pretty favorable. So I see the Vikings replacing the Cardinals. And I don't think – I think the Dolphins, kind of the same thing with the Cardinals. We're just – it's a young quarterback. It's a it's a young team. And I know Baltimore's not getting any breaks, but I'm still going to go in favor of, of the Ravens being able to knock out the Dolphins and find their way in the playoffs. Yeah, I just feel like – with the Cardinals, like that Cardinals Patriots game said more about the Cardinals than it did the Patriots. I mean, like the Patriots aren't con- a contender. Will they maybe steal a, a a wild card spot? Maybe, but like you know, I I think it was a good game plan by Bill Belichick, and that you know Arizona is not the powerhouse offense that maybe the statistics might say they are. And yeah, I, I think there's too many cooks in that kitchen as well. And Kyler Murray's still learning. You know, we you know the Hail Mary made everybody think that he's all of a sudden Aaron Rodgers, and he's not. You know, he's still got a lot of years till he's that. So I, you know, 
it's a good play to have under your belt, and it was beautiful. And DeAndre Hopkins caught a ball in the middle of three players, so that's DeAndre Hopkins, not anything else. Um, yeah. it's not. It's a great play. It's not really something like you're like, oh, we're a great team because of this play. It's it's most just like great moment. But uh, yeah, it, that's one of those plays too where it's like it, it does get overhyped for like the team, and then it's like, wow, like great win and everything. It was like, no, nah, they should have lost. They got really, really lucky. But right. uh, exactly. And yeah, the it's, Dolphins. It's the, yeah. the, the the new playoff spot is just, hey, dude, it rules like it. The, I, I don't know what it is about it, but it's just like the fact that it feels like there's so many more teams that are in contention, um, which would maybe feel that way even with six playoff spots. But there's, there's something about the seventh one that's just making the playoff race a little more exciting this year. Agreed. 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 Love it. Love it. We love to see it. Of course, at the bottom of the NFL standings, the teams that the two teams that have now been uh, eliminated. I think all I think the other thirty teams all still have a chance to the playoffs, but the New York Jets and Jacksonville Jaguars are will not be making the playoffs this year. Uh, shocking, I know, but uh, they will. They're both in the race, kind of for Trevor Lawrence, but also like you know, I, Jags are one and ten. The Jets are zero and eleven. It's it's pretty tough to think the Jets are going to find a win, especially with the five opponents they have uh, to end the season. All five of them are in the middle of playoff races, so they can't afford especially to lose to a team that's 0-11. So it seems like the Jets will, will probably get that top pick and and should be Trevor Lawrence. But if I'm the Jags, I'm not that upset. Like Justin Fields is probably the best quarterback we've seen in the Jags uniform in a long, long, long time. Like the, that guy's I, – I know you might want Trevor Lawrence, but like not, not a bad – compensation prize you know right i mean and at the nfl level like there are no sure things right so like i think that both those quarterbacks have all the potential in the world so like getting one or two of them you know uh, if you had a preference you might say one but i you know with how talented they both are i think you're yeah like you said you're just fine and yeah i mean the jags won't finish at the bottom just on default from having a win already (laughs) like that's what it is you know i think They'll lose out, definitely. But you look at the Jags, and, like, they have James Robinson, who's, like, been playing amazing for them. And, like, and you know, they have a player to hang your hat on. And the Jets, you know, they have Frank Gore, who's, like, you know, stretching the test of time. 89. Right. And you have Joe Flacco, who's, like, stretching the passing yard record that he has by little inches every day. But they're terrible. They're terrible on offense. And on defense, they're okay. Right. And they play the Raiders where Derek Carr is going to come with a vengeance after that loss to the Falcons. He's going to come with an absolute vengeance. He's going to tear them apart. Right. You have the Seahawks with MVP candidate Russell Wilson. You have the Rams who are going to be in the middle of a uh, playoff race and need that win in three weeks. Right. You have the Browns four weeks in that really, really need that as well. And then the Patriots, they play the last week. I mean, obviously, the Patriots will, will probably know their fate by then, but. They're not going to allow themselves. Bill's not going to allow the Patriots to lose on the last week of the season to the Jets. Come on. So, like, I just think, you know, there's just no way that they win another game. So, I I think the Jets probably get Trevor Lawrence. Good for them. Hopefully, it works out. If there's a team that can that can ruin Trevor Lawrence, though, I it might be the Jets. Yeah, that's true. But he's like, he's so goddamn good. He's one of those guys where there's there's no way you're not going to be good. And uh, it, it, I hope they don't ruin him because, God, he, he's, such a, he's such a fun player to watch. And I think it would it'd be nice to see, like, 
you want the Jets to be like decent and and you certainly don't want we've already seen like Sam Donald's not Trevor Lawrence, but we've already seen them waste away a, a you know a really talented quarterback's young years where I, I'm I'm excited for Darnold to get somewhere else um, because I think he's still young enough in my, in my opinion, where he can become a starting quarterback somewhere. And a lot, like there's so many times with players, it, it matters where you get drafted. Like if you go to a bad franchise, you can have all the potential in the world. Uh, so it, you make it like, like you said, if there's any team that could do it to ruin Trevor Lawrence, it would be the jets, but God, I hope they don't. Uh, yeah, Jan, offensive and defensive rookies of the year. I'm going to start with my offensive one. Uh, then I'll let you go, and then you just take the reins and go right into defensive. Uh, my offense, I would love to go for a guy like Justin Jefferson or Chase Claypool. Uh, they've, they've both been extremely valuable receivers for their teams all year, but it's an award that really is suited for the quarterback. Uh, and, and with Burrow sadly out now for the rest of the year, it seems like Justin Herbert's award to lose, and, he, and he's deserved it. Uh, you know, Since getting thrown into action, he's, he's looked the part. The the guy, I mean, there was there was some questions about what Tr- Justin Herbert would would look like, as there always is, um, and what he would look like at the next level, and and I think he's answered most of them. And uh, they got issues lots of places, but they got to be excited about the future under center with Justin Herbert. So he's my nod for offensive rookie of the year. What about you, Jan? Yeah, same. I think it's Justin Herbert. I think Joe Burrow's injury kind of solidified his his lead at the top. Uh, he's putting up rookie record numbers. Uh, he ma- he's making the Dolphins question: Did they make the right choice? In quarterback, I mean that's just uh, you know, and that's crazy that we we would never have thought that. So uh, it's good for him, you know. Anthony Lynn's not. I've heard this everywhere, and I agree with it. Anthony Lynn is not going to be there at the end of the year. So whoever wants a good coaching position, go to go to LA because you got a quarterback there that's going to be good for you. And uh, yeah, so I think Justin Herbert's kind of in the lead. Uh, for me, I lead. If anyone else, I lean Justin Jefferson or Antonio Gibson. I think they've both been vital for their teams. I think especially if Justin Jefferson can help the Vikings grab that last spot. Antonio Gibson, the same if he can help Washington grab the NFC East. And, of course, Justin Herbert would have to struggle down the stretch. Then maybe those two could get some nods over. But I, he would have to fall off the face of a cliff to, to not win it at this point, in my opinion. I think it, it is suited for a quarterback, especially one doing so well like Justin Herbert. So I agree with you there. I think the L.A. quarterback is going to be the one that gets that award. And it's sad, you know, you wanted him and Joe Burrow to duke it out towards the end, and we're not going to see that, obviously. Um, and that definitely sucks. But uh, defensive rookie of the year, a little more kind of, yeah, a little more questions there. You know, I think I think it's kind of all over the place a little bit. I mean, you had Patrick Queen, who's who's at the Ravens, who's doing really well. Uh, you have uh, Jeremy Chin with the Panthers, who returned two different fumble recoveries this weekend, which is like the first time in a billion years that that's happened. So uh, he's been playing really good. Uh, defense there but I think I mean I maybe I'm biased but you got to give it to Chase Young I think you know he started all 10 games he's got 22 solo tackles four and a half sacks which is crazy two forced fumbles he's playing years ahead of his age I mean you see offensive players come in four and a half sacks is crazy that's a that's a pretty nice nod (laughs) no I mean for a rookie though for a rookie for the number two pick that's on the number two pick that's supposed to be the main pass rusher i I, I don't know. I think Four and a half kind of. I've, I've, I've been I've been a little disappointed with Chase Young. Is all I'm saying. I, I expected a little more from him because he's on a good defensive line. Right, but I think he doesn't have to be so good. So I think I think he shows what he can, and I don't think he has to be the main guy to do everything. I mean, they got so many weapons. I think the only reason he's not getting more sacks because he's not being asked to do more. 
he's playing up as, as, a, as a part of a really good defensive line and not just the Chase Young show, you know? Yeah, and, then, and I think that's disappointing for the number two pick. If they had gotten him in the third round, yeah, I think that's great. The number two pick needs to be the the guy. But, uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, he certainly was the proverbial favorite really since the draft. But I am going to go with Patrick Queen, the, the Ravens linebacker. I'm, I'm pretty sure we both had Queen going to the Ravens with the 28th pick, and there was a reason for it. Like, he's a perfect fit. He's becoming the leader of that defense. Basically, you know, the quarterback on that side of the ball, making plays all year. Uh, so, yeah, I, I go with Mr. Queen. But I think, probably, you know, if I, if I was a betting man, I think Young probably will get it. But my choice is Patrick Queen. All right, Jan, power rankings. Let's just go. I'll start with five. Then you give your five. Number five for me is the Buffalo Bills. Who you got? I got the Tennessee Titans. Statement went against the Colts, baby. Number four for you? I got the Green Bay Packers. Rodgers playing good football. They're at eight and three. Devontae Adams, second best receiver in the league. Crush the Bears. Uh, my number four is the New Orleans Saints. My number three is the Green Bay Packers. Who's your three, Jan? Number three is the New Orleans Saints. You know, I, I give them the benefit of the doubt. They got some stuff to prove, but they've only let 13 points is the most they've let in in four games. So good defense, too. Uh, my number two is the Steelers. Who do you got, too? Number two is the Steelers, 10-0, but they don't have the number one quarterback, and we'll say it together. It is the it's Chiefs. Chiefs. It's always yeah, the Chiefs. Yeah, that's right. Did you see what Mahomes did? My goodness. <laughs> the guy's incredible. All right, Jan, it's part to cool down. Why don't you uh, give a, a historical fact of the day? All right, well, I'll give this one quick because I know you got to – you got to be watching your boys. All right, this one's a Green Bay shout-out to you. Today in 1951, wide receiver, now in the Hall of Fame, Don Hudson had his number 14 jersey retired by the Green Bay Packers, the first wide receiver ever to have his jersey retired uh, in the sport. He had a decade-long career with Green Bay, four Pro Bowls, eight first-team All-Pros, uh, 480 receptions, 8,000 yards, 99 touchdowns, 17 touchdowns in one season, three times NFL champion. So Don Hudson on this day had his jersey retired, 1951. Number 14, he's a G. Uh, I'm going to forego my historical fact to actually do kind of a shout out instead. D.D. Richards, a basketball player at the University of Baylor, suffered a horrifying injury in practice on October 24th that left her paralyzed for over three hours. The injury was was basically like a spinal shock that required Richards to undergo physical therapy, and at least one doctor wasn't sure she'd ever play basketball again. But last night, 38 days after the, the scary injury, Richards stepped out on the court for the Baylor Bears and played basketball. It's just, it's a tremendous story. The heart from that athlete is, is utterly astounding. Such a role model for all of us to, to just keep fighting. So congratulations to D.D. Richards. You're, you're the kind of athlete we should all strive to be. Love that. Congratulations, D.D. Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. All right, Jan. What is your favorite Christmas album? This oh, it's is, this is a request from Mr. Matt Egenhouse, Dr. Matt Egenhouse. Pardon me. There you go. Well, my top Christmas album has to be a Christmas gift for you. Uh, from, uh, you know, it, it, it's a classic. It's got Darling Love singing Christmas, Baby, Please Come Home. One of my favorite songs. It's got the Ronettes. It's got the Crystals. It's a beautiful album. I also really like Kelly Clarkson's Wrapped in Red. I think that uh, I think that's kind of like a underrated one. But yeah, I got the A Christmas Gift for You, which is a various artists kind of album. Uh, nice. I like I like that answer. Uh, I have a, a Jolly Christmas from Frank Sinatra. Oh, oh yeah. let's go. 
Got the goal, baby! God, I apologize, fans. That's a horrible way to do it, but God, that's big. All right, I got, yeah, Jolly Christmas from Frank Sinatra, my all-time favorite. I just, I love the crooners and like, especially for the Christmas music. There's just, it's just classy and, and feels, you know, just makes you feel warm and at home. I almost went with a, a Dino album, but Sinatra kind of always has my heart. There you go. All right, and now, Jan, it's quick fire question time. You're Let's even go! though I even though I got to get to the game, you are not exempt from this. Plus, now that they've equalized, I'm in a much better mood. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Hey, thanks for the go. help, defense. Uh, all right, first one. This is kind of a tough one, but right now, who do you think will be kind of? I mean, obviously, each fantasy draft has a different number one pick, but this year, I think we all were like Christian McCaffrey. Who do you think is going to be that top pick next year? Is it McCaffrey again, or is it a, a different running back? Maybe a different position. That seems unlikely, but right. Who I would mean, you think right now? Yeah, I, I, it, you know, there's so many players that have just been balling out so long. I mean, you know, Tyreek Hill. After I mean, I got schlacked by him this weekend. It makes me think, who wouldn't want him with the number one pick? Who wouldn't want Patrick Mahomes playing quarterback? Right. But, you know, I think it's not yet time for a non-running back to take the lead pick. So I think you got to go who's going to be the most likely to get that running back. And, you know, I, you, I think you got to go, and I struggle to say this, but I think you got to go, I think you got to go Christian McCaffrey again. I just think, like, the injury. I agree. The, right, because the injury, obviously, something to be worried about. But I don't want to go Derrick Henry because he doesn't catch any balls out of the backfield. I don't want to go Alvin Kamara because who knows who's throwing to him next year if that's going to be like something to watch for. And Dalvin Cook also doesn't catch out of the backfield. Christian McCaffrey going to catch and run all day, every day. You saw what he did just in his one game back. He was already a top fantasy scorer. So I'm not ready to leave on him yet. Christian McCaffrey. Plus, he's not, you know, he's not a guy that has has had a lot of injury issues like like Saquon had. Like that was part of the reason that Saquon was a scary pick because he does he he's a little injury prone. And even Dalvin Cook, I absolutely love Dalvin Cook. But last week, I mean, I don't think Dalvin Cook's ever played 16 games. So I, I agree. I think McCaffrey, he and and going forward, like it's like the Panthers offense, it's this guy's so young. He's he's gonna be the focal point of that offense for the next several years. So right. I agree. All right, next is a tough one. I think we all think the favorite is the Lakers out of the West. That's pretty obvious as they are the defending champs. Who do you think's coming out of the Eastern Conference in the NBA? Oh, the Eastern Conference out of the NBA. Oh, my God. It's so hard. I mean, the Heat are still so good. You don't want to go against them. Uh, you know what, though? I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay my cards on the table here. I think it's probably one year before the Nets make it there. So I'm going to I'm going to say I'm going to I'm going to do it. I think it's the Boston Celtics come out of the East to play the Lakers in the NBA finals. Another I Celtics Lakers finals. Hell yeah. It, it almost happened last year. They got rid of Gordon Hayward who got so much money. I think he's one of four players to ever get back-to-back -back $30 million contracts and he's not anywhere near any of those other players that have that accolade. Um they don't need him. They needed a big like Tristan Thompson. I think they got some good pickups in the draft as well. So I'm going Boston Celtics. Jason Tatum makes another step up. They get there this season. Nice. Nice. All right. Last one. Who is your Heisman front runner right now? Oh boy, my Heisman front runner. That's that's so hard. I, obviously, like yeah, it because it, it comes into like 
like what how how you know it's it's like what do you what do you consider and uh, i i think you know obviously justin fields i can't say i can't give it to justin fields i can't because he has not played enough games i can't give it to trevor lawrence for the same reason so then i'm looking at quarterbacks i think there's some great obviously you know the alabama running back uh, so good uh Taji, what's his name? Uh, it's, uh, you know what I mean. You know Najee Harris. Najee Harris is great. I don't think he's good enough to to make the running back jump that it takes for the Heisman. So I'm looking at Mac Jones and I'm looking at Kyle Trask and and I I'm I'm going oh just barely just because of the Iron Bowl. I'm going Mac Jones. I'm going Mac Jones right now. Oh, I was hoping it. I was hoping you were gonna say Trask. I know, but like he did so well against Auburn. He did so so well against Auburn. Uh, what I will say is. I think it's super close, and I also don't know if if he's a, the best player on his own team. Like, I think Najee Harris is the best player, so that becomes and, a thing. Well, and Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle. Like, I think I that I I'm not, I don't like I don't think Mac Jones is undeserving, but I think it is. It's one of those teams where you're like, man, there's a lot of weapons. Where like Kyle Trask kind of gets. I mean, there's Kyle Pitts, but he really does get most of the uh, the accolades, and I think he's he set a record for. The most passing touchdowns in the SEC for however many games he, he's had. I think he's got 28 right now. So I, I would, I don't think, I just don't think he's getting enough love. Like, he's I don't not. know if he, I, I don't Kyle know if he Trask. like for sure oh. is, like, I don't know if he for sure is the Heisman winner, but like the fact that he's not in this discussion with everyone else is like Florida's number six. Like, it's not, it's not like we're talking about a quarterback that's having a really good year for a team that's being pretty mediocre. Like, Florida's doing pretty darn well. And, could still make the college football playoff depending what happens in the SEC championship game. So yeah, I, I, I just think he, he needs to get some more love, but uh, well, that is, that's all we wrote. That's all she wrote. I thank you all for joining us. I appreciate it. It was a ton of fun to get back here and, and doing this. I've, I've missed talking sports with my boy, Jan. Uh, stay safe, wear a mask, hug your mother. If I guess if you, are already with her because that would kind of counterintuitive of what I said of wearing a mask, but you know, right. you get it. Uh, Jan, what Christmas else, what movie. else do you got? Yeah. Christmas movies. It's the season. And if there's a season that we need some Christmas movies in our life, it's this season. So watch some we'll, Christmas movies. Dude, we'll have a, we'll have a good Christmas movie discussion uh, oh, yeah. at some point for sure. Oh yeah. And Christmas well. song and Christmas oh. song. Like, cause Christmas, I was going to do Christmas song, but I was like, Christmas song is a, is a tougher debate and choice than just christmas album like that's that's a whole different animal it is it's gonna be a hard one i'm gonna have to do some real research for that i'm gonna really have no. to dig in deep <laughs> I, I feel like my my favorite christmas song has changed as like just through the years but uh i don't know, i guess i guess we'll find out where we land thank you guys again for joining us i'm gonna go watch manchester united and, and sweat my ass off as they try and get into the round of 16 cheers y'all